Amen. And we're going to continue on with our series called The Power of God. And again, if I can recap the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about and trying to understand the power of God. And you know, when you say the power of God, it's so broad is what I, I said and mentioned the last few weeks. It's just a broad phrase to say, God's powerful. He's almighty. And I believe if we can all like open our brains up and see what's going on inside, we all have different images of what God, how, what power means to God. Some might say it's through a thunderstorm. Some might say it's just through a, a stillness. And it's just so broad. And I ask God, what, what does this look like? And what he's doing and right now is he's narrowing everything down to have an understanding so that we can operate in every department in our life in the power of God. That's what he wants for us. And the first, we simply just talked about how God is good, but the devil's bad. That we need to acknowledge that there is an enemy, that we can't put blame on God for everything. Because he has said, well, this is a fallen world. He has shown us this world has been cursed. But he has also shown us the hope of Jesus Christ. How we can not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the word of God is what he says. If you stick with him. That's the key. Stick with him. You know, we even went to John 10.10 where Jesus said that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about the devil. That his purpose on earth right now is to steal, kill, destroy our relationship with Jesus Christ. To make us doubt God and be angry at God and question, do you even exist, God? That's him working when we're in that mode. But check out the next sentence. He's, Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Other translations will say, have it life more abundantly. He doesn't want you just to enjoy life. He wants you to have, just experience and get all you can get out of life. And the mentality that we have to break is that, I, well, I'm just getting head above water, but God's saying I created you to walk on water. That's what I want for you. But how do we do so? Well, we first had to acknowledge that there is a bad devil and that God is good and faithful regardless of the circumstance. It doesn't change the heart of God. And so two weeks ago when we went through that, we talked about the identity of, of who Satan is and how good our God is of being redeemed from all his lies and his schemes. Then last week we continued on with the series and we talked about knowing his voice, simply knowing his voice. That if we know his voice, we can follow. You know, we went to Romans chapter 10 verse 17, which was really the meat of the whole message last week. And the Bible says that so faith comes by hearing, that is the hearing of the good news of Christ. When you think about it for a second, the first time you ever heard good news was probably from someone else's mouth. Whether it was a podcast, a video, on TV, a person, a friend, a church leader. Because good news came to you. You heard. But we also talked about not only do we hear but we need to focus and listen on what his words are saying. You guys remember the exercise we did last week? No? Yes, some say yes, some say no. We're going to do it again right now. We're going to wake everybody up. All right, on the count of three, I want you to shout out your favorite ice cream. One, two, three. What did your neighbor say? What was your neighbor's favorite ice cream? You don't know? All right, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing, but this time you're going to listen to your neighbor while you shout out. Same answer, okay? <laughs> On the count of three, shout out your favorite ice cream. One, two, three. I heard cookie dough twice. Who said blue moon? I'm just curious. I'm a blue mooner right here. I'm saying that right now. What did your neighbor say? Your, 
There's a difference. And the reason why I bring that up is because there's a difference between hearing and listening. And we talked about when it comes to God's voice, we can hear God's voice, but we have to choose and discipline ourselves to listen to God's voice. You know, I, I brought my children up on this one, and I said, by nature, naturally, parents, right, our kids hear us. But it takes a lot of training and discipline to let them listen to us, to the instructions that we give them. And that's exactly the same with us. When we get with our Heavenly Father, when we have that alone time with the weather, through reading our word, in our prayer closet, worshiping, we grow in listening to him. We hear him, but we need to grow in listening to him. And maybe you're the one that's saying, well, I struggle hearing God. I always hear people say, well, you hear God, but how do I hear God? Very simple. Your first step is read the Bible. He's speaking to you through his scriptures. There is no excuse that we have that we can't say God is not talking. He is constantly talking. But the key is this. He talks with a whisper and a gentle voice. And I believe that is because he's that close to you. But it's the loudness of distractions and Christmas and lights and presents and where's the money going to come from and I got to get this and that done that really swallows away the voice of God. God never stops speaking, people. He never stops speaking. We have to choose to get out of the distractions, go into the prayer closet, discipline ourselves, and listen to the voice of God. And you'll start seeing the power of God manifest through our lives. And then we're continuing on today with the power of God and just being, having a servant's heart. Look at your neighbor say, a servant's heart. You know, when we look in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 13, Paul is awesome, by the way. The apostle Paul, he's just leading and raising up these people, and he's writing letters to the church. A distance doesn't stop Paul. You know, I believe if Paul lived today, he'd be all over Facebook, Instagram, social media. It'd be that much easier for Paul. But technology didn't stop Paul from writing letters to people and reaching people from across the world. I mean, transportation wasn't the best. There were no airplanes back then. You got to get on a boat and sail and trust God through the whole mix. So Paul writes these teachings, and I love what he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, because he says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, is what he writes to the church. He says, My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. God has called you to freedom, but don't use that freedom to please yourself, he's saying. Don't use that freedom to say, well, I can do what I want because God's going to forgive me later anyways. God does not work that way. He doesn't. Continue on. Instead, he says, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Other translations said this, serve one another humbly in love. Humble yourself in love. That word humble or hum- humility It's the key thing that that activates the power of God in our lives. Humility starts with the heart. When you really think about it, humility, humbling ourselves, it starts here. It's not an outward thing. It's an inward thing that manifests out. And when we can get to a point in our lives where we humble ourselves before God and before people, God's power manifests before us. Let's, let's, Let's take Moses, for example. Moses, well known character in the Bible who is real. Okay, we've seen him in the movies played by all these actors. We've seen him as a cartoon form. 
But Moses, and so when we pull the Moses out, most likely we think about Moses freeing uh, God's people from Egypt and bringing them to wilderness and wandering, trying to search for the promised land, the Ten Commandments. We have all these things about Moses, that he, he, he suffered or struggled with anger. You know, he struck the rock instead of speaking the rock. We have all these things on Moses. But did you know that in the, the book of Numbers, chapter 12, verse 3, God says that Moses... Has, uh, Moses is uh, more humble at heart than anybody on the face of the earth. He gets good credit for that one. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, uh, God tells us in his word that Moses is more humbled than anyone else on the face of the earth. And it's because he was shepherding. You see, when we look at the outwards, even through Scripture, when we, when we measure the outwards and we talk about the outward of Moses, God has always been looking at the heart. And he saw the heart. Yeah, Moses missed it a lot. I'm just going to be honest. He missed it a lot. But his heart was humble before the Lord. And he had countless and countless and countless of times where he met with God. I mean, if you think about it, Moses climbed mountains to meet with God. Today, Jesus helped us out and said, hey, just find a closet and come with me. I think that's awesome. It's saving me a journey when you think about it. I climbed uh, Sleeping Bear Dunes. I, I talked about this way back over the summer. And I thought, okay, up a hill, down a hill, and that's it. I went up a hill. I was like, okay, keep going. Another hill and another hill. <laughs> An hour and a half later, another hill. No joke. And then we finally made it to our destination. And we're like, yeah, we did it. And then we had to come back. And I'm like, oh, man, three-hour journey. And for the first time, I felt what the Israelites felt like in the desert. And we're not in the desert. We're in pure Michigan. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. God says, hey, come to, my come to the closet and come spend time with me. You have that same access that Moses had. But the reason why is because we, we can have a humbled heart towards our God. So Moses, you think about it, Moses has a humbled heart. He's humble, more humble than anybody on the face of the earth. And if you think about it, God uses Moses to do miraculous miracles. And events. I mean, he's, God's power is flowing out of Moses and the staff. God's power is flowing through. I mean, just every single thing. You, you, see, you see where, where the, the staff turns into a snake. You see where there's a, pyre, uh, a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day, where he strikes the rock and uses that power of God and water comes out forever. The power of God is manifesting through Moses and what's in his hands because he simply has a humble heart. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, I love the amplified version. It says this, Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. The result of you humbling yourself is a benefit for you on earth. He says when you humble yourself before God, what happens is I exalt you is what God says. You know, and you really think about it, there's a reverse role on that. When we don't humble ourselves before God, God's going to humble us. And let me tell you something. When he humbles us, it's good, but not fun. It is not fun. And he gives you first dibs. He puts the ball in your court and says, humble yourself before me so I can exalt you in the name of the Lord. That's God's purpose and plan. You know, I, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony. You know, you guys know a lot about my, my journey, my wife's journey here. But reality is this. Every season, the moment I came to Jesus, every season in my life 
was an opportunity for me to humble myself. And this is not a boastful thing. This is a testimony I'm going to give to you guys. Whether I served the very first season in ministry with two preteens in a room sharing the word of God, I acted like it was 200. And I said, Lord, whatever you have for me to share with them, I humble myself before you. And what happens is as the journey went on, God, God kept lifting and exalting positions in my life to the point where I'm here today and he's not done. He's not done. And the reason why I share that is because in your seasons, wherever you are at, if you humble yourself before God and you are faithful with the, with the little that you have, he says you will be faithful with much. I will exalt you in position. I will exalt you in a person, in character. And watch God do miraculous powers in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to get confused because humility is not uh, putting yourself down. Humility is not speaking very quietly. You know, we think humility is, we have a soft-spoken voice. Thus says the Lord. And we think, uh, uh, have you guys met me? (laughs) I'm loud. (laughs) I'm a little too loud. I talk fast. Sometimes my wife is like, slow down. You know, that's my cue. I'm like, okay, I got to let everyone catch up. But what humility is, is just simply Humility is when you consider others more important than yourselves is what the Bible says. When you consider others more important than yourselves. You know, there are many opportunities we can have pity parties about what we're going through. Oh, God, you know, and it's been a tough week and I'm working so much and we're going through this. We should not fall into that pity party mode. But we should understand that if we humble ourselves before the Lord, what I'm doing is not in vain, but for your glory, God. I go into that that, that dark job that I have where everyone's evil, okay, and everyone doesn't have Jesus, and I want to quit so bad, and I'm going to put my Ten Commandments and make a statement right there. Do not use God's name in vain. We need to humble ourselves before God. And ask God, okay, I'm here now. How can I be faithful to this now? And when you do so, God illuminates in a dark room. God illuminates in your life. And let me tell you something. Your attitude and your demeanor and your day goes better because it's no longer dreading, okay, I got to go back and clock in. It's now God, use me and let your power manifest through me because I am your servant. I am your servant. Not just, uh, you know, clock in, clock out, employee. I want to do your will in my life. And because when I do your will, man, just things happen in my life personally. And you bless me. Again, humility is when you consider others more important than yourself. But pride is thinking the opposite. It's putting, it's putting me first. Me, me, I, I, me. And I'm going to step on some toes, and that's okay because I know this is love here. Don't elbow each other. Okay, wake up on this one. <laughs> Don't do that. But this is what I'm saying. The moment you start saying, me, me, I, I, me, 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 I, evaluate your speech. Me, me, I, you're probably not in a humbled situation. And you take that to God and he flips it in your life. He flips it in your life when you're alone. And before you know it, <laughs> hands go up and you start praying for others. Uh, most of you all know about my father-in-law. A couple years ago, he passed away, and he was a hard man to reach. I mean, it was unpleasant conversations. It was challenges of why we do things according to the Bible. 
And let me tell you something. My wife and I, we struggled. We struggled with praying for him. That's just how hard it was to just mention his name in a prayer because we felt like if there was something that, that was someone that would, there was just no hope, it was him. It was him. There was no hope there. Like, Jesus, I'll, I'll take on the world, but not him. Like, it's just you, like, bring your a thunderbolt down or something and just help us out with this one. But we humbled ourselves. And I love how my wife says it because uh, about five, six years back, maybe seven years back, my wife said, you know, my prayer started with, God, just bless my dad. Amen. You know, it's just simple as that. But it was, it was the first step to humbling herself. And as days went by, actually, as 21 days went by, because we were in the middle of prayer and fasting, as 21 days went by, it became, God, I thank you right now that my dad is going to, I mean, it just, it went on and on and on. In the last day of the last hour, I remember it was about 11, yeah, about 10 at night at first, you know, it was 10 at night, last day of last hour, and we we're going to bed, and I, and I kissed my wife goodnight, but then she looks at me, and she says, you know, maybe next time, you know, I'm still trusting God. You know, I said, okay, I went to sleep, right? I'm like, God, you got it. At 11.30 at night, on the very last day of the very last hour of the whole entire fasting, her phone rings. I'm sleeping, by the way, okay? She's telling me the story. Her phone rings, and it's her dad. And he says, she, he says, I just want to apologize to you for everything I've done against you. I just accepted Jesus. Talk about a time apart. She elbows me. When I, I'm not joking. I got bruises still, okay? She elbows me after the conversation, and she says, Jesse, Jesse. She's like, my dad, he accepted Jesus. And I look at her and I said, praise Jesus. You know, I just went back to sleep. I was done. My day was done. <laughs> You got to remember, I was fasting, so I'm fatigued, and, and I'm hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the morning, you know, so I can eat a breakfast. <laughs> but she elbows me because in the journey of that process, my wife was learning to humble herself before the Lord, and the Lord did the power and reached her dad. Now, the reason why I say that is because two years ago, almost to the March will be two years, he passed away. And it wasn't a, 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 a funeral that was just sorrow morning. Yeah, we were grieving, but it was a celebration of a life because of a homecoming dad. And my father-in-law is now dancing with Jesus because of one daughter who simply loved her heavenly father and her dad and decided instead of me arguing with my dad, I'm going to humble myself before God. And God's power met him right where he was at. Let me tell you something, people. When you humble yourself before the Lord, it starts a new journey of becoming a servant for Jesus wherever you are at. Not just within the four walls, but when you go home, when you go to work, when you go to the grocery store, when you're with, you're with family during Christmas season that you haven't talked to and just resist them away. You, you, you start humbling yourself before God. You become a light to those people around you as well. Don't have a pity party about the tough times you're going through. Ask God, what are you doing through this tough time that I can be a light and I can minister and give my testimony? Because when I go through a test, this, I'm going to ace this thing and I'm going to make this a testimony later. And I'm going to preach the good news about Jesus Christ. I'm going to give hope. You know, uh, again, Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he, in the first eight verses, he's, talk, he's writing a letter to Timothy, and he's, he's teaching him these things, and he's talking about the power of God. Go figure. He talks to Timothy about the power of God the first eight verses. But check out what he says in verse 9 to, to Timothy in the church. He says, he, Jesus, has saved us 
called us with a holy calling, okay? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. I don't know if they have it highlighted. Okay, so I have it highlighted in my notes. But there are four specific words in this scripture, leave it up, in this scripture that, that Paul says. He says that, that Jesus has saved us, that he called us, that he purposed us, and that he graced us. He graced us. You see, when you look at called and purposed, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're sandwiched between saved and grace. Called and purposed in this scripture is sandwiched between, between saved and grace. You know, yesterday I made my wife a sandwich and I forgot to put the cheese. That wasn't a completed sandwich. And I ran to my wife. No joke. I ran to my wife with a slice of cheese. I said, hold on. And I slapped that thing in there. I love you, baby. I forgot. I'm not joking. I, I made that and I completely forgot about the cheese. Without the ham and cheese, it's not a sandwich, people. It's just two slices of bread. You see, without purpose and called, or without saved and grace, you don't have the power of God activated in your life. They're all working together. They're all working together. Calling, understand this, calling is what you do, but purpose is what you love. Your calling is what you do. You are a believer. God says, go do the Great Commission. Share good news to people about me. That's your calling because you're a Christian. But purpose is doing what you love, what you love. Maybe it's, I love doing Bible study groups, or I love serving with children, or I want to do youth, or I need to do the sound booth in the back, or I want to be a teacher. That's your purpose, and it's what you love to do. See, my calling is to pastor this church, but my purpose and my wife's purpose is to love and serve you guys. And others that want to join on. We want to love you guys. We want to serve you guys. We want to equip you guys. We want to, get you, we want to raise leaders up. That's why we challenge you guys through conversations. If you had a sit down with me, I would not make it pleasant. I, I'm just being honest. You know, we have pleasant conversation. But, but what I want to do, my, my, my passion, my, the love that I love doing is just challenging you. How's your Bible reading going? Well, that's why you're going through some issues. You're not exercising your authority. You know, how are you treating your spouse? Eh, why do you think it's hard at home? You, you, you know, how, how come, you, have, you, you know, have you been promoted at the job? No, because, you know, I'm, not, I'm really not clocking in on time. And what do you think? <laughs> and you want me to rebuke the devil out of everybody? Like, it's just like, <laughs> I say that funny, but reality is I have a lot of those conversations. And I don't do it to, 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 to be mean or rude. I do it in love because I know God's going to use you for greater things. The same thing I have is the same thing you have, Jesus said, because it's the same thing he had and he gave us. Again, calling is what you do, but purpose is what you love. Colossians 1.17 says this, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It is in him. That's the key. In other, everything. It's all about in him, in Christ Jesus. We need to operate. We, in, in him, we need to operate in our gifts, in our talents, in our time, in our energy, in our family, in our marriages, in our fa finances. We need to operate in him is what he's telling us to do. When his word says something, we follow and obey it. 
because the power of God is activating in our lives. Again, you look at, you look at Moses. Again, he's a perfect example. He was called. He was called. And he answered the call. Yeah, he had a lot of excuses and felt you know, intimidated and, and questioned God. Am I the person? Obviously, I'm paraphrasing it. Am I the person? And, and Lord, you know, I, I can't go back to Egypt because of what has happened. But he humbled himself before God, and God used what was in Moses' hand to make miracles happen. And it started with the first journey of facing Pharaoh, one of the hardest things he's probably had to do at that moment, and show and manifest the power of God. But you didn't see Moses just throw the staff on the ground, and it turned into a snake and ate up the other two snakes. When you look at Scripture, he heard God tell him to do that, and he obeyed him. That he humbled himself before God. You know, to fulfill what God puts in our hearts, we need to be faithful and good stewards to what he put in our hands. I'll say that again. To fulfill what God puts in our hearts, your purpose. I want to say purpose. We need to be faithful and good stewards to what he puts in our our hands. You know, I simply want to share three steps with you guys that would help you operate into becoming a servant that has a heart for Jesus. You know, when you look at King David, before he was King David, he was David the shepherd boy. And because he served the Lord and was a servant of God, at the age of 12, he was slaying giants. Not only that, he was killing bears. He was killing lions. And guess what? He didn't have a gun. (laughs) He did it in the name of the Lord, and whatever was before him. That's the power of God. There might be giants in your life. There may be lions that are trying to, you feel like they're going to pounce on you or or, or bears are going to devour you in this earth. But when you humble yourself before the Lord and you allow him to operate through you, you're a giant slayer. You're a bear killer. You're a Detroit Lion fan. (laughs) I got everybody, okay. Making sure you're paying attention. I'm just making sure. (laughs) just making sure everyone's still awake three steps to help you serve others and the first one is easy and I don't even know this is word accessible is that right it's open to you the first one is know Jesus know Jesus Psalms 139 14, David said this. He had said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I know that full well. David was confident in who he was in God, and he slayed giants. When you are confident in who you are in Christ, nothing on earth or in hell that's going to stop you from saying yes and doing the purpose that God put in your life. Nothing. No Jesus. Number two, plug in church. Plug into church. You know, and this is not a recruiting statement. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Plug in and operate. Don't just go to church, but know that you are the church. Okay, know that you are operating as his hands, as his feet, as his vocal voice when you go around this earth and you are journey in this life. You know, when you are the church, you're functioning, you're moving, you're operating. Understand, when you serve, it shouldn't be mechanical. 
Serving God and for the kingdom and in the church is not mechanical, but it should be flowing in what you were created so you can flourish. When you flow in what you're created, when you, when you operate in your purpose, you're flowing, you're flourishing, you're operating the way you were created to do. Psalms 92, 12, and 13 says that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, that will, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They're planted in the house so there's growth. When you're planted in Christ and you're plugged in to the church and you're operating according to the will of God, you will grow, you will flourish. I've had too many conversations with to say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but I don't really go to church. I don't really, you know, I, it's kind of tough. The church hurt me. So I don't do that part. But, man, I do God's will. I read my Bible. I'm in my prayer closet. And I applaud you for that. But let me tell you something. That is no difference in that belief than you saying, Jesse, I like you, but I don't like your wife. Those are fighting words for me. <laughs> it hurts. Because we are one. The church in Christ are one. So the church is God's plan. And I'm sorry you've been hurt or, you know, you felt, you know, I wasn't a part of something or whatever. That's, that's man error, but it's not God's heart. And we have to have a heart, a humbled heart, and bring that hurt or that offense to God so he can work in us and we can continue to be an impact with our church brothers and sisters. That's why we're so in tune with making sure everyone feels welcome and the atmosphere here, they feel if they're at home. Because God's plan is the church, and he says, you are that church, and I want the church to rise. And the last one I want to share with you before I close is this. Take action. Take action. Look at your neighbor and say, take action. Now look at your other neighbor you don't want to look at it for the first time. Say, take action. <laughs> and I love it. James 1.22, we hear this a lot, but I heard this from the message translation, and it simply says this. Act on what you hear. That's the word of God. When God says, hey, I need you to go there, you go there. I need you to do this, you do this. There are so many songs in the worship world, you know, in the Christian world. Well, we, we, we sing that and we declare it and that's my jam and we're drumming on the steering wheel and we're, yeah, and I will go wherever you go and I will say whatever you want me to say and I will do whatever you want. And we're jamming away and then we get to work and don't talk to me right now. I don't want to, I'm just not going to go over there. You see, there's a difference between just hearing stuff, but remember choosing to listen. That's the part that really manifests God's power. It's all hand in hand. And that will grow your heart to be a servant of Jesus Christ, that nothing on earth will stop you, no matter how hard they may seem, no matter how hard it may look. Because Jesus said, you have been equipped, you have been called, you have been purposed. Don't forget, you were saved, and my grace is with you forever. He says, my grace renews every morning. Had a, had a bad day yesterday? Guess what? This morning, God hit the renew button. And his grace is brand new. Brand new. Whoa. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that trip reminded me of something. 
trapeze. That was awesome. Okay, trapeze. Ever been in the circus or see the greatest showman and they have the trapeze people and they're doing their thing and they're doing high flips and they're, yeah, and it's just, it's so super cool, right? But let me tell you something. They know their instructions. They know exactly what they need to do. They follow every command. But, but if they missed it, they fall, that's right, to a net. It's a safety net. And almost, what they do is they just get off and go right back up. When you miss it, you're following everything to God's team. And when you miss it, when you miss it and you fall, the grace, the net catches you. And he says, let's get back up again. And you go back up. Man, thank you, God. See, I was supposed to trip right there. <laughs> God's grace is everlasting. God's grace is your safety net. So when you fall, he doesn't expect, he doesn't want you to fall. But when you miss it, his grace is everlasting. And get back up again, he says. So I encourage you, church, don't, don't stay idled. Don't stay neutral. Live a life on a green light. Don't live a life on a red light waiting for the Lord and, okay, I'm just waiting on the Lord because let me tell you something, two, three years later, you're going to go by, still waiting on the Lord. Live a life on a green light and do what God has called us to do. And if you accidentally took the wrong turn, he will give you the red light. Say, okay, turn around. That's living a life in freedom in Christ. You know, this scripture came to me, and, I, and last night when I was kind of going through my notes, I was contemplating it. I'm just going to read the scripture to you, and I'm going to trust that God's going to continue to minister in your hearts. But I'm going to close the service with this passage. This comes out of Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1 all the way through 4. And it says this. It says, therefore, if, if you have any encouragement being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain or conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but, but each of you to the interests of others. I share that scripture because I want that to resonate in your veins today and let it just sink in and marinate in your heart. Because the moment you come into humility before the Lord and saying, yes, God, I am done with my, my ways and my thinking. I'm going to start looking to your ways. God's power flows through you. He exalts you, he says. He will bring, bring you from position to position, from glory to glory. These are promises that I'm saying and quoting from the Bible. But a lot of times we don't know this because of lack of knowledge. We don't encounter and get with God. He is for you, church, not against you. He's not shocked when stuff happens in life, when circumstances happen in life. We get shocked, but he's still on the throne. He didn't fall off the throne. Oh, my goodness, he didn't do any of that. He's still on the throne. He says it's time to get back up, and it's time to move forward. Church, I encourage you. I encourage you. I charge you up right now. When you leave these four walls, continue this journey with Jesus and let God be God in your life. 